Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. What is up, everybody? Welcome to another edition of Drive for Show, DFS for Doe here on Roto Grinders. I am Justin Van Zuden, STL Cardinals 84. Happy to be bringing you another week of golf talk here. Uh, and we got a little bit of a change this week, a different format, uh, kind of a, a unique concept with the Dell match play, which we've had DFS contests for for the last few years now. So uh, we're a little familiar with how the uh, lineup builds work, a little bit more strategy involved this week. And uh, we'll bring that uh, discussion to you here over the next oh, 45 minutes or so. Uh, if you're looking for content for the other tournament this week, the, the Corrales, we'll, uh, we'll get some stuff out for that. Uh, but we'll focus on the big DraftKings tournaments this week with the match play for purposes of this show. And to help me break that down, we've got uh, my usual co-host, Mr. Notorious, Derek Farnsworth. Noto, what's going on? Yeah, what's going on? Uh, I'm excited for the match play. Going to be in attendance again this year. Uh, Going to be the last year for the uh, WGC match play. So hopefully they find a new course for it. And uh, I believe this will be the final WGC, WGC event ever, um, unless they bring him back for some odd reason. But uh, yeah, excited for the week. One of my favorites to sweat. Um, obviously, it starts on Wednesday, which, uh, you know, get an extra day of golf in there. And then, uh, yeah, it's fun to sweat for DFS, for betting. You can bet uh, pools. You can bet individual matchups. You can bet outrights. Uh, yeah, it's just, uh, it's just a fun tournament overall until you get to Sunday. And then it, uh, then, it's then you have fun. nobody left. Yeah, and then, it's, then unless you're betting the individual matchups, there's not much to root for. But uh, other than that, it's a lot of fun. There's just, uh, it's really difficult. It, it, for those of you who are unfamiliar, it's a March Madness style bracket. 64 golfers grouped into four pods, uh, four pods of six, 16 pods of four each. Um, and so they're, they'll play round robin style the first few days um, before they go to just the winners of each bracket. Those 16 players will move on and then it'll be head to head style after that. So we'll break down the strategy involved with it and kind of how all that works here uh, during the show. Before we do that, uh, any takeaways uh, for you from last week? Uh, it was kind of a strange leaderboard. Taylor Moore ends up on top. Jordan Spieth couldn't quite get it done there at the end, uh, but uh, it was just an interesting leaderboard with Adam Shank back in the mix again as well. Uh, you had Fleetwood in the mix for a while, so kind of a mix of bigger names and lesser-known guys. But uh, what were your takeaways from last week? Yeah, not going to lie. The PGA Tour has gotten uh, pretty lucky with these non-elevated events. We've had uh, some good ones, the Honda Classic, you know, with the Chris Kirk, Eric Cole finish. And then, you know, last week with a lot of big names in contention, uh, Spieth, man, uh, we got a little bit of everything from Spieth on Sunday. 
hit some bad shots. What's new? Made some great putts. I kind of thought he was uh, in the driver's seat there and just blast one right um, on 16 into the water. It was closer to covering the other side of the water than it was <laughs> his fairway. And then he makes a great bogey, and then he sticks a dart, and then misses a six-footer. Um, just a complete speed experience. And then you had Adam Shank playing with him, who seemed to steal all of speed's power. I mean, he chipped in on one. He made a 70-foot putt. Um, he made a great par save on what was the 17 and then, yeah, uh, yeah, he really made some hero plays there. A great lefty shot on 18 to just give himself a chance. So, uh, yeah, it was something, a lot of drama there on the back nine. Uh, you know, Taylor Moore, I didn't see that coming. I mean, I had, and then it ends up being, you know, Taylor Moore, who has like no coverage all, you know, most of the week, yeah. all of a sudden, boom, uh, there he is uh, in the mix and, uh, and and winning the tournament. So that's funny how that goes. You, you oh, a guy's going to win the tournament that they showed, you know, uh, a tenth of the shots from compared to the other guys at the top. But uh, that's golf for you, right? That's golf for you. And uh, I had a ticket on Tommy Fleetwood. I knew it was going to end the way it did, and I still had hope. Uh, Bogey's the par five. I mean, he was. That was uh, the the round was lost when he left that bunker shot. When he was up against the lip of that bunker, and then you know left it in the bunker, and then that it was just you, you can't make a bogey on that hole. Can't make a bogey there. And right before he lined up to hit that, you know, that wood from the fairway, the announcers say the only place you can't miss is left, and he smoked it 50 yards left and that was kind of his miss uh all sunday but anyway it was a fun tournament um i did the course looked not great on tv i don't know if it's just the fact that they're trying to make it so hard you know we heard a lot pre-tournament about them making it firm making it fast growing up the rough but uh man compared to the other three courses it didn't look all that great on tv i guess it was pretty overcast but uh yeah, yeah the clouds will do wonders for making a golf course look kind of crummy. I don't know why that is. It just, uh, I don't know, human nature, I guess, stuff's better in sunshine. And we're so used to these events that, you know, we had the California events, the Hawaii events. Like, it's always sunny in Arizona, always sunny there. Blame yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'll blame the weather. Everything was just brown. It just looked uh, not great on TV. But other than that, uh, fun tournament. It was nice to see, you know, Webb back up there again. So maybe Webb uh, can find a little something moving forward. All right. Uh, well, we won't space t- spend too much time recapping last week because it usually does take us a little bit of time to get through this um, bracket uh, the way that this is formatted. So what we usually do is we go through kind of each pot of four, uh, talk about who we think might be a sleeper, might be our picks to win. Um, and then, uh, you know, we'll uh, we'll go from there. Uh, but just in terms of a strategy element for this, where you got 16 groups of four golfers, obviously only one golfer is going to come out of each group. Uh, you don't want to play two guys from the same group in your DFS lineups. Uh, a lot of people will say you don't want to play two guys from the same quadrant uh, because you want to give yourself a chance to potentially get all six of the eight quarter finalists. Uh, if you want to think of it that way. So uh, just in terms of a strategy angle, what are we looking at for this match play event? Yeah, I think this is the one event a year where you're actually going to have positive EV right when lineups lock, including the rake. Uh, if you build optimally, I think like 15 to 20% of the field typically does not build optimally. So if you are uh, you know, doing MME, make sure to build lineups the right way. Um, in lineup HQ, if you're using Roto Grinders, Make your groups of four, uh, do a max of one for each. So you can have 16 groups of four, max of one, pretty easy to do. Uh, and then you can do the the quadrant thing. Um, so you have six of the eight. But for me, I don't mind guys, you know, facing off uh, in that round. For me, I just want to 
make sure that I have my chances for a four of four uh, for the final four. So I just do a min of one uh, for each quadrant of 16 golfers uh, to go along with uh, the 16 groups of four. So four groups of 16, 16 groups of four, that'll ensure you don't have anybody facing each other in the first round and you have chance at a final four for each and every lineup that you build. I think that'll uh, pretty much do the trick. I mean, the odds of getting the final four is like pretty low. If you do that, yeah. you're, 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 you're doing all right. <laughs> yeah. So I don't worry too much about the six of eight, especially if your player pool is a little bit smaller, cause it kind of limits the combinations that you can have in your lineups. You're going to get a lot of similar looking lineups. Um, so yeah, but anyway, make sure to build optimally. You're going to put yourself ahead of the field and then uh, sit back and just hope for the best. Sit back and watch your lineups burn. Uh, it's very difficult to get a lot of golfers through since obviously golfers only have a one in four chance, uh, roughly, of coming through their respective uh, pot of four there. Uh, it's not like, you know, 60, 65 percent of the golfers making the cut. Uh, but uh, the strategy element of this one is fun. Uh, yes, it, it is the one tournament that requires some algebra as you build your lineups. Uh, but uh, as Noto mentioned, you know, if you're doing it optimally, uh, you're uh, you're ahead of the uh, the field average um, as you're you know comparing your strategy to to what the masses are doing. So, uh, in terms of the course this week, why don't you tell everybody what we got here? Yeah, so it is uh, Austin Austin Country Club, uh, par seventy one. The measure is just over seventy one hundred yards. Pete Dye design, and it's kind of the perfect course for match play. You're going to have a lot of risk reward shots. Uh, you can be aggressive. You can be conservative. It kind of depends on who you're playing, where you are in the match, um, how you want to attack these holes. You got some drivable par fours. You got uh, par fives with water in play. Um, so yeah, it's a, it's a really fun course. Um, it doesn't necessarily favor bombers or shorter hitters, accuracy players. It's kind of just one of those uh, you know events where. Anybody can win. And we've seen that, you know, Kevin Kisner's got the best course history here, but uh, we've also seen Dustin Johnson play well. Uh, Scotty Scheffler's obviously finished second and first here the last couple of years. So I don't necessarily think there's a strong course fit. I think you just kind of want to look for guys that you think can advance to the 16. I wouldn't look too far into who's playing who in the second round, just because there's going to be so many upsets that you right. probably shouldn't make any line of decisions based on, Oh, if Keegan wins, he's going to play this guy in the second round. So I can't take him. Um, I think you're getting ahead, ahead of yourself there if you're doing that. So just look at the the groups of four. Try to do your best. Um, do you have any specific strategy on how many you want from each group in your MME builds? Yeah, I mean, I try to not like if you're building 150 lineups, like if you have exposure to all four golfers in a specific pod, it's just it's just cannibalizing your own upside. So I usually try to stick to two of the four. Um, but I don't know. It's not a hard and fast rule by any means, but like even that, if you play two guys from each pod, you're, you're still playing 32 out of 64 golfers. So, and you know, I like a, a, a more narrow player pool. So I, I don't know. I usually tend to expand it more for the, I mean, this one's just so unpredictable. So I usually end up with like two from each group, I think. Yeah, that's what I've been trying to do. But, uh, man, you look at some of these groups and all four are, like, pretty closely projected. You don't really know who's going to advance. So I might just fade a couple groups completely and hope that the winner, you know, gets out in the second round. Uh, I'm not sure if that's necessarily the optimal way to do it. But I think if you get eliminated in the second round, you probably have a pretty low chance of being on the optimal lineup. So I think you can fade a full group if you don't feel that good about it. Um, but, yeah. 
It should be a fun week. Any other thoughts on the course or guys' skill sets? Yeah, no, I, I don't think so. Just that all-around skill set. I don't mind taking guys that tend to be a little bit more aggressive just because I think it suits the style of – not necessarily the style for the course, um, but the style for this event. So, you know, a, a triple bogey isn't going to be any worse than, you know, than a regular bogey on some holes. So aggressive players, uh, guys with that, you know, make a lot of birdies. Uh, but still make some bogeys. I mean, I'm okay with those kind of guys on this course too. Yeah. Uh, Mr. Gerg asked a question about the snake draft. Unfortunately, they don't have snake draft available uh, for this week's event. They do for the Corrales, but uh, yeah, I haven't done any research to that yet. I will have the model out for the Corrales if uh, anybody's interested in that, but uh, I haven't been able to run it just yet. Just focusing on the big one this week uh, so far. All right, so how I'm going to do this is I'm going to start in the top left bracket and work my way down, and then we'll move to the right-hand side from top to bottom as well. So if you're following along with the way they have the bracket presented on the PGA Tour website, uh, that is how I am going to go through these groups of four. Uh, So the top left group starts with the number one seed, which is Scotty Scheffler. Uh, He is grouped with Tom Kim, Alex Noren, and Davis Riley. Really interesting group. Uh, and one that, I mean, obviously Scheffler is going to be the favorite with A, the way he's playing right now, B, the way he's played here in the past, and the fact that, you know, there's no other dynamite golfers in this group. But Tom Kim, we've seen some upside from him. Uh, Riley and Norin, you know, they've had their ups and downs, but have shown some ste- ceiling as well. So, uh, and Scheffler's obviously expensive. Is this a case where, you know, we really want to play the most expensive guy on the board in such a volatile tournament? Uh, I mean, I'll have some for sure in my MME build, but uh, he's not going to make my main lineup. It's kind of hard to play Scheffler and then feel good about the rest of your lineup. And tough draw for the uh, defending champ. I mean, Tom Kim, you mentioned it. Uh, we've seen some upside from him. Played great at the President's Cup, especially in some of those matches. And he's just a guy. He's going to hit all the greens. He's going to hit all the fairways. He's going to put a lot of pressure on his opponents to not make mistakes. Uh, I don't know what to think about Davis Riley. He's been playing better, but probably not my favorite course for him. And then Alex Noren just loves this place. I mean, he finished fifth here in 2017, third here in 2018. And in his last two years, he's lost in sudden death playoffs uh, to advance to the round of 16. So Noren's a sneaky pick. I don't mind taking some shots on him or Tom Kim. Um, yeah, so I'll, I'll probably be underweight on Scheffler and overweight on those two. Yeah, underweight on Scheffler, I think, as well, given the price and just the nature of this tournament. Uh, the question is, you know, do I want to fade him entirely? Do I want to play two other guys from this group? Um, do I want to just go underweight on the group as a whole, which is kind of where I'm leaning right now? Uh, Riley, probably my least favorite of this bunch, just given the, you know, the task he's up against and the fact that Noren's had some pretty good history here as well. I think Kim's game suits the format nicely. So uh, agreed, it is a tough group and uh, I'll probably be underweight on Scheffler also. We'll be interested to see uh, where our ownership comes out on him we do uh, the have win- ownership if you want oh we do that's right yes we do that just came out a little bit before the show so all right let me get that up here because the- so right now chef at 19 kim at 10 riley at six and norin at eight so not a ton of ownership for anybody but uh yeah scheffler's still one of the highest in the field All right, uh, let's move on. So the winner of this group will place the winner of group 16, which starts with Sung J.M. Sung J.M., Tommy Fleetwood, the top two in this group, along with J.T. Poston and Maverick McNeely. So a few guys who have been up and down here over the course of the year. 
Um, I don't know. It feels to me like him and Fleetwood are, are the clear favorites in this group. Um, but I don't know who I want to give the edge to. This might be a group that I fade completely just because I know I said not to look forward, but I mean, facing Rom in the, in the second or sorry, facing Scheffler potentially in the second round doesn't seem great. And I don't have, you know, a big separation between these four. Uh, Sungjae hasn't been great here in his two appearances. I like Tommy, but I don't think he's going to advance all that far. Um, that's just typical Tommy. He's, he's going to play well, and then he's going to have some bad shots that uh, cost him. Poston was great tee to green last week. I think he gained 6.9 strokes ball striking, and McNeely might be the best, best putter in the field, and that's obviously going to come uh, in handy in a match play event. So I can see any four of these uh, advancing. Yeah, wide open group. Um, I still give the edge to to him and Fleetwood. Uh, Fleetwood probably my favorite, but I tend to have a knack for for playing him. And since he did fairly well last week I, before blowing up your outrights ticket, um, I, I, I think he's I think he's in the mix here. Fleetwood's my favorite, but uh, don't mind the approach of just kind of being underweight on this quadrant of both of these groups as a whole. All right, let's move on to uh, group nine, which would be Colin Morikawa, Jason Day, Adam Svensson, and Victor Perez. Uh, Jason Day all the way down at 32, uh, given the way that he's played this year. I mean, given the 2023 form, you could argue that Day should be the favorite to come out of this group. Yeah, uh, I do like Day quite a bit. 9,100 is kind of expensive, so hopefully that'll keep ownership down. Looks like we have about 8% right now, which sounds – Pretty enticing to me. Um, he has two match play titles under his belt. He won one here and he won one, I believe, in Arizona before they uh, moved to this course. Um, he won his here in 2016. So we know we can play match play. He's finished top 25 in 10 of his last 11 starts. Playing great, doesn't have a weakness, can get it done a number of ways. Obviously, he has to get past Morikawa, but uh, I do like Day quite a bit. And then, I mean, the bottom isn't too bad either. Victor Perez finished fourth here in his only appearance in 2021. And then Svensson's just a guy that been playing some good golf, good iron player. So I like Dave, but I don't feel hundred percent confident in him. Yeah. I still like him as my favorite out of this group. Uh, you know, Morikawa, I can probably take or leave in this format. Uh, and we've got Morikawa at 15% ownership right now. So probably down on, on him. Um, but day. And so I'm probably going to end up with some day uh, and, and one of the other two guys haven't decided yet in terms of uh, whether I want Svensson or Perez. Um, We've got both of them right now at around three, four, 5% ownership. So potential sleeper there. If one of those guys uh, advances for sure, because I think this, you know, whoever advances out of that group could certainly have some potential to to move on. I think the next group is not necessarily weak, but beatable in terms of whoever advances out of here. Uh, you've got Hovland, Chris Kirk, uh, Siwoo Kim, and, and Matt Kuchar. Um, now, I know Kirk's had a good year. I know Kuchar's been playing a little bit better of late, but uh, these are guys that tend to be more of the steady you know, not going to make a ton of birdies. I don't know if I like them as much in this format. So uh, with this group, I, I don't I don't really have a strong lean. I don't really love anybody, I think, from this Hovland group. Yeah, to your point, I could see any of the four advancing, and I don't really think any of the four are going to advance that far 
um, past the first round. Maybe Hovland if he gets hot. Kucher, but, uh, did Kucher advance here quite a ways a few years back? So, yeah, he's the last three trips, uh, he advanced to the 16 and lost. He lost in the final, and then he lost okay, in the that's final that's the four. one I remember. It. So yeah. he's, lost, he's been in the final four two times in a row and then 16 three times in a row. So good course history, obviously a Pete Dye guy. Um, don't mind taking a shot on him. Kirk I'll probably be off of. Uh, Siwoo Kim, another uh, Pete Dye guy, and you know, he's been a lot more consistent this year. So I think I'll take my shots with those two and be underweight on Hovland. But, uh, man, he's playing some good golf right now. Yeah, he is, and uh, I've missed that boat for the most part, but uh, nice to see him uh, playing well. I uh, Underweight on this group as a whole, for sure, for me. Uh, I do really like this next group, uh, and I'm interested to to hear your takes. So we've got Max Homa, who's you know kind of busted onto the scene as one of the the, the top players on the PGA Tour. Uh, we've got Matsuyama, who has struggled for the better part of the last six months with injury and just ineffectiveness. Uh, we've got Kisner, though, who's played well here, and Justin Suh, who's a bit of a wild card that nobody's going to give any thought to as one of the last guys in the field. Uh, but I mean, a guy that has shown some upside over the last few weeks. So, uh, to me, I, I can never trust Kisner, especially these days. He looked awful again last week. Uh, I can't trust Matsuyama with the way he's been playing. I think it's pretty clear to me. You take two guys from this group, you maybe take a sprinkle on Justin Suh and, and Homa. I think, uh, the clear favorite to come out of this one. Yeah, uh, he's my favorite as well. David Miller in chat says, why they got to do my boy Homa like that? Um, yeah, Kisner's always a truck draw. Um, but look at his recent form. I mean, I know he gets up for these match play events, but uh, he has a new swing coach. Something's obviously going on with the swing. Um, and he's missed, I think, four or five cuts in a row. So uh, for me, I'm okay being underweight or fading Kisner. I'm not going to be playing Justin Suh. I don't really like Hideki that much. Uh, I think I'm just going all in on Homa. I mean, we saw him go undefeated at the President's Cup, and I've watched him play. I mean, I know this has nothing to do with the PJ Tour, but I mean, he played the four-play guys in a scramble. He's the only one pro that beat them. He played the Bob Does Sports guy in a scramble. He beat them. I mean, he just gets up for these type of matches. He doesn't have a weakness. He tends to thrive under pressure. Uh, I bet him outright this week. It's home a week. Let's go. Yeah, I think he's one of the better outright bets on the board just because I think that uh, – in- I mean, he's 20, 20 ish, 22, 20 to one, depending on where you look. And I just think the draw is favorable. Uh, I like this group. I think he's uh, would be a comfortable favorite against whoever might come out of the next group. Um, uh, maybe that's my anti Spieth bias, but you look at as we kind of transition to the next group, Spieth, you know, where's he going to be at after that finish last week? Lowry has been largely missed lately. Montgomery has really fallen off lately, and you never know what you're going to get from Hughes. Uh, I think this group is probably the one of the overall weakest on the board given current form and my you know dislike for Spieth. I guess if you're a if you're a Spieth homer, you probably really like him here. But uh, yeah, I just don't I don't love this group of eight guys outside of Homa. So Homa, one of my favorites this week. Uh, this next group. I, Take somebody if you like him, because I really don't. Yeah, so Speed's obviously got the hometown narrative. Um, you know, lives here, went to Texas, very familiar with the course, but he's just underwhelmed here. He's only advanced out of the group play once in the last five years, got knocked out uh, in the first round of the 16. 
So I'm kind of with you. I don't mind taking some stabs on Hughes at 6,100. For whatever reason, he's played this course well. Um, lost in a playoff here last year, the sudden death, and then uh, advanced the year before that. So I kind of like him as a sleeper. And then you have Lowry, who is all tee to green, no putter, and Montgomery, who is no tee to green, all putter. So I don't know if they're going to be able to put together, you know, three or four days in a row of good golf. So, I, yeah, I kind of like Hughes as a sleeper. I don't hate that, but I don't like this group at all. So uh, if you you can easily talk me into somebody, uh, probably with the exception of Montgomery, who just uh, is just not shown much of anything lately. And uh, given the format, uh, I just think it'll be a tough ask for him. So, uh, all right, let's move to the bottom left hand of the draw group 13. We've got uh, Sam Burns, Seamus Power, Adam Scott. And Adam Hadwin, uh, another wide open group. Uh, do we give an edge to the to the veterans here? I mean, Scott and Hadwin at the bottom. Uh, what do we do with this group? Yeah, another tough one. So Sam Burns hasn't been playing great, but we found out last week that his driver did not pass the test uh, at the Genesis. So he's had to deal with a new driver, and he hasn't been able to find one until last week where he found uh, a Callaway one that he likes. So apparently the driver – is no longer a big concern for him, uh, which is uh, interesting because, you know, he's just been so bad and the numbers definitely support that. So don't mind some burns here, um, even though he's, he's opted not to play this event the last couple of years when he's been uh, eligible for it. Hadwin, man, he blew up some lineups last week. Uh, he was like the fourth favorite after Thursday and then was six or five over on Friday, missed the cut. I kind of like the course fit for Hadwin. And uh, don't mind Adam Scott, just a veteran that has millions and millions of hours match play experience. Millions. Yeah, I'm going to take a shot, I think, on uh, maybe some of the the lower ownership guys here. And Scott, I think at 5% and 7,800 is interesting. So um, don't love the group here as a whole. But if you want to take a shot, I think you, you go with somebody cheaper, somebody a little bit lower owned as opposed to uh, to Burns here. But uh, not a strong take on, on that group. Uh, this next group, again, I I hate just you know picking favorites in these groups, but uh, Cantlay with a poor form, Brian Harmon and KH Lee and Nick Taylor. Uh, I don't know a draw again. Anything can happen in golf, but boy, that looks like a cupcake draw. Yeah, love Cantlay in this spot, and look, he's never advanced to the to the second round of this thing, but uh, he's been close. He's lost in two playoffs, and then he's uh, finished second in his group two times. So he's been really close. Uh, he likes Pete Dye courses. I have him as the second easiest path. No, sorry, the easiest path um, to advance when you just look at the ratings of him in my model versus the ratings of the other guys in his group. So. I'm with you. I love Cantlay. Don't mind him uh, as an outright, too, just because we've seen him and Xander play so well in the President's Cup, Ryder Cup. He's got a lot of match play experience, so he's really the only one I have interest in here. All right, let's move over to the upper right-hand corner of the draw, and we mentioned a fairly tough draw for the number one seed um, in, in Scheffler, a pretty tough draw for the number two seed here as well. Even though Billy Horschel's not in the best of the form, uh, playing one-on-one -on -one against Billy Horschel has got to be a painful experience. Uh, so you got Horschel in this group. You got Keith Mitchell, who I think is always a really interesting wild card. I talked about liking aggressive golfers on in this format 
Uh, Mitchell certainly fits that mold. And then you've got an improving veteran Ricky Fowler in this group as well. I, I mean, this is a tough group for John Rahm, I think. Yeah, tough group. And uh, I saw today on the Ricky Fowler tracker, they have their own uh, Twitter account. Um, he has to finish, he has to make it to the top eight in order to get into the Masters. So he's got some added uh, incentive to play well this week. I mean, obviously, he just has a lot of incentive in general to get back uh, into good form. But he's been playing well, so I like Ricky a little bit. But, uh, yeah, tough draw. I mean, you mentioned Mitchell's been playing great. Rom obviously, is never going to back down from anybody. So I still like Rom, but I might take a, a flyer or two on on Ricky. No horse for me. I think he's uh, he's just been so bad, T to green. Yeah. Yeah, I like the other guys as well. Um, I might go with the underdogs in this group. I might go with some Mitchell and some Fowler. Uh, definitely out on Horschel, just a matter of whether or not I want to fade. Fading both uh, Scheffler and Rahm is, is pretty scary. But uh, if you're going to do that, doing it in an unpredictable event uh, at least seems to be the spot. Uh, another reason, <clears throat> reason why those guys could be interesting is uh, I think that uh, there's some potential to, to move away for whoever wins that group. Uh, though we do have some uh, Cam Young, another aggressive golfer, leads off group 15 here. Sepp Straka, Corey Connors, and Davis Thompson round out that group. Uh, any hot takes uh, with this group 15? So this is a tougher one for me. Uh, Cam Young, obviously, probably the most talented of the group. But I really like Corey Connors, the 7,900. He finished uh, third here last year, almost made it to the to the final. And uh, he's a good ball striker coming off of a miscut. But, uh, you know, we can kind of forgive him for that. And he plays well in the wind. It's usually windy in Texas. So I like uh, I like Connors. I'll have a little bit of young, but uh, I think I'll get rid of uh, Davis, Thompson, and, and Seth Shaka. I think I'm in agreement there. Um, I, I don't see much ceiling for Straka here. And uh, Thompson is a, is a fairly easy pass for me as well. All right, the next group is Group 10 with Tony Finau and Kirk Kitayama at the top, and then uh, Maronk. And Bazudenhout, uh, interesting group. Uh, I think you could potentially make a reasonable case for any four of these guys. Uh, Finau, obviously, the top seed in the group. And Kitayama, you know, has uh, shown upside, obviously, over the past month. Uh, Moronk has been a popular kind of sleeper, trendy sleeper in a few events here this spring. And uh, Bazudenhout tends to be, a, you know, a cut maker kind of guy that can grind out maybe some head-to-head wins. So uh, what are your thoughts here on Group 10? Yeah, so I have uh, Finau as the second easiest path next to Cantlay to advance. Um, he's number one in my stat model for the course. Plays well on Pete Dye. He hasn't been great here, but they've all been really close finishes uh, to making it to that final 16. And he's just been playing so well. He's become like a top 15 putter on the PJ Tour and a guy that, you know, we know the ball striking is going to be there. He's creative around the greens. So I I love Finau here. Kitty Yama after the win. Don't trust him. Cbez, like you mentioned, he could grind out a win or two, but uh, I don't really trust Moronk yet. So give me all the Finau in this one. Can never argue with that. I think eventually, you know, he'll get on a stretch where he gets hot and, and could certainly win one of these. So uh, don't mind him if you are going for a higher end play from this side of the bracket. Uh, with the next group being Group Seven, that is Will Zalatoris, uh, Ryan Fox, Harris English, and Andrew Putnam. Uh, really interesting to see my boy Ryan Fox as the second seed, the second highest guy 
in this group. Uh, this feels like uh, maybe one of the weaker groups as a whole. Yeah, pretty clear two favorites for me and Zalatoris and Fox. We've seen Putnam was great at the start of the year, and he's just been pretty bad since. And then Harris English, I mean, he played well at the API. A lot of that was a putter. Other than that, he hasn't been very good. So I like Zalatoris. I like Fox. They're both affordable for players that can advance. I think both of them could win in the second round too. So, uh, yeah, I'll be overweight on both those guys. Uh, certainly got to get myself back to our ownership page here. So, yeah, we've got Ryan Fox at 8.6%, um, one of the more popular values, but uh, only $7,000. So, of course, I like that. Uh, and we've got him at lower ownership than Kisner, who's $200 more expensive uh, with people kind of picking the course history angle on, on Kisner. But you'll see ownership generally kind of spread out for this tournament. It's just because of the unpredictable nature. But I do like Ryan Fox uh, as a lower-cost DFS play uh, when you take a look at that group. All right, group six, uh, we've got the uh, – we're into the bottom right uh, final four groups here. Group six is Xander Shoffley, Tom Hoagie, Aaron Wise, and uh, and Cam Davis. Uh, your thoughts on this group? I mean, it feels like Xander should easily walk through these guys. Um, Tom Hoagie, third at the mass or third at the players last time we saw him, but he was, I think, 0-3 here last year. He is a guy that can get red hot with the iron, so maybe you sprinkle him into your lineups. But uh, yeah, Cam Davis, other than the players, hasn't been very good. He hasn't played here before. And then Aaron Wise has just been a mess for, for months now. So I like Xander quite a bit. I could see him making a big run in this one. And uh, how exciting would a Xander Cantlay match be? <laughs> yeah, it would be pretty cool. How, what has caused Wise to just suddenly be so bad? I mean, he wasn't that bad last summer. Now it's just been nothing. Yeah, he was awesome. And then all of a sudden the putter came around. So we we're all just waiting for the putter and the ball striking to line up and for him to win. And Ever since, the the ball striking has just been terrible. Lost 10.4 ball striking at the players. Lost 5.4 at API. Lost 1.5 at Honda. Maybe he just doesn't like Florida. I don't know. Well, in any case, uh, you know, even with the move to Texas, uh, he's just tough to trust right now in, uh, in this format. I am out on him this week as well. So uh, probably a group that I won't have a ton of exposure to overall. All right, let's move to group 11. Matt Fitzpatrick, uh, Thigala, Minwoo Lee, and JJ Spawn. So um, group that, you know, I, I think I think it's an interesting path for Thigala if he plays well to potentially uh, move along. It's You know, we've seen some inconsistency from Fitzpatrick, you know, Lee and Spawn. Uh, Lee has shown some form. I, I think you might see an upset out of this group. I'm just not sure whether I think Thigala or Lee is the most likely guy. Yeah, I actually don't mind some J.J. Spawn at 6,000. Okay, wide open group. I mean, there's question marks around the other three. So if you're going to get min salary at 2% and you want to you know, load up the rest of your lineup, I don't hate it. But uh, I am pot committed to Fitzpatrick at this point. He's let me down the last two <laughs> weeks. Uh, I He almost battled back and made the cut last week despite a nine. Um, he was like six or seven over at one point on Thursday. and still almost made the cut, so... Maybe he's found something, and everybody's pointing to the neck injury that he's been talking about. But why would he play last week if he was really, you know, hurting? You know, all the other big names took last week off uh, after the players, so I'm not too worried about the neck. I like your points on Tigala, and I'm excited to see Minwoo back in action. But uh, yeah, it's, it's a tough group. He's turning into one of your favorites, Minwoo. 
man, that that uh that two iron off of the and the and the mustache and the accent, he just got it all. I love him. We all are jealous of uh, of the uh, Minwoo uh, swag. All right, uh, Group fourteen. Uh, ben Griffin at the bottom, Terrell Hatton at the top, Henley and Herbert in the middle. Uh, I mean, the way Ben Griffin's been playing, uh, him being the 62nd overall guy in this field is uh, seems like a little disrespect. Uh, and, you know, Hatton can just – who knows what you're going to get from him. Like, uh, I don't know, upset group here, Ben Griffin? Potentially, yeah. Um, two guys that I'm crossing off. So, Russell Henley, he's lost on approach in six of his last nine. That's really – his strength of his game. So if he's not doing you know, what he does best well, then I'm not too interested there. And then Herbert, I don't know what Herbert does well outside of putting. He's bad off the tee. He's bad on approach. He's bad around the greens. Um, so he's, he's a cross off for me. So I, I like Hatton a little bit. He's been playing great. He was 40 to one like yesterday, and now he's down to 25 to one. So everybody's been betting him. And then Griffin, you mentioned, he's just been continuing to chug out, you know, good finishes. I don't think he can go that far in this tournament. I think Hatton, Definitely has more upside if he gets through, but uh, I think both deserve consideration. Yeah, a fairly open group here. Wouldn't be surprised to uh, to see an upset, but uh, tough to get confidence in uh, you know in Henley and, and Herbert right now. So uh, one of the groups that I might not have much exposure to because you got a, a pretty dynamite group underneath it here. Uh, with Rory, with Keegan, who's been playing well, with McCarthy, who you never know when he's draining putts, and Stallings, who tends to be a bit of a wild card. So I don't know what it is, but the four seed in Cantlay got a cupcake draw, and Scheffler, Rom, and Rory all got <laughs> fairly tough draws. Uh, and I know it's just the you know just math, but uh, it's, a, it's a tough draw for Rory as well. It is, and uh, I'm ready. I'm ready to get hurt by Keegan again. I know it's going to happen, but uh, man, he's been playing great, like you mentioned. Uh, he took off last week. He was a late withdrawal. I think it, he's talked so much about wanting to make the Ryder Cup, and so much of the captain's pick comes down to match play and all that fun stuff. Uh, that's why we get Kisner talk every year at the at the Ryder Cup, Presidents Cup, because he's so good at match play. So I think Keegan's all in uh, to play well this week, and it's a good price point. I think he can beat McCarthy and Stalling. So it really just comes down to Rory, who has only advanced here once in the last four yeah. tries. Yeah, hasn't had as much extended success here for sure. And uh, that takes us through all the groups. Anything anything we missed? Uh, if not, got to get your prediction for who are the final two and uh, and who takes it down this week. Yeah, so I was going to bring up one thing. So without the, all the live guys in this tournament, like all the all the elites are still here, but the like the mid range is kind of gone, and we're getting a lot weaker at the bottom end. Do you think we'll see fewer upsets in the first round this year? Nope. Okay, I like nope. it. That's what it's always this tournament is always no matter how you try to rationalize what may or may not happen, it's always going to be stupid. The tournament's right. always going to be stupid. It just the I, I say that not calling anyone individually stupid, but just the way the tournament shakes out is always wacky. It's always unpredictable. I think you have a valid point and maybe you're right. I mean, you could, but one round of golf or the, the, the tiebreakers, you know, it just, uh, it's just so wild because what's the tiebreaker ever. Is it just like head to head until somebody wins a hole? Yeah. And so no, like if you beat a guy, but then you have the same record, it doesn't matter. So, which is kind of, I don't know if I like it or dislike it. It just keeps everyone engaged. Cause if they had, 
um, the tiebreaker rules, and we would we would see a lot of matches that don't matter Friday. on Friday, and you don't want that. So, hey, Dan Kramer in the chat, welcome, my friend. We missed you last week at the snake draft. I uh, the, not having the snake draft this week uh, because it's for the other tournament. It saves me five bucks. Uh, I still have not cashed. Maybe the break will help me cash, you know, for once uh, when we come back. But uh, all right. I need your prediction. Winner, runner up. Who you got? All right. So I like Max Homa to win. What side of the bracket's he on? He's on the left side. All right. And then I'll go against Hatton. He's going to go against Hatton on the right side. I like Homa as well, which is scary that we both like the same person in an unpredictable tournament. Uh, but uh, give me Homa over uh, me Homa over Finau as my pick. Ooh, for the I bet both, so I'm fine with that. Oh, you'll be happy if that's the finals then. Uh, and I believe you're uh, you're attending for a day this week. Am I correct? Yeah, I'll be there Thursday, Friday, Saturday, probably. So if anybody's going, oh, wow. going hit me up days. on uh, Twitter, and yeah, I'll try to meet up with you. Should be a fun time. Uh, I will be uh, I'll be covering the NBA streets for Noto on Thursday and and doing taxes. So uh, Noto will uh, will have a little more fun at the golf tournament uh, than me. But this is always a fun event. Good strategy involved. Uh, be sure to optimize your builds as you go through it, and uh, it should be a good time. So Noto, uh, anything else? No, it should be fun. Uh, enjoy the first three days because the weekend gets a little boring. So uh, fire up some bets or something uh, on the weekend. That's right. Uh, we'll have you covered with some bets over at Scores and Odds. We'll have our DFS content out this week. Uh, and Noto mentioned at the top of the show, if you're a premium subscriber over at Rotor Grinders, he's going to get the model out there. Uh, but uh, we'll get you some content for the Punta Cana Championship that starts on Thursday as well. Another reminder, match play starts Wednesday, so make sure you have your uh, your lineup set in time. So always thanks to Noto for joining me. Noto, hope you have a good time at the event, man. Yeah, can't wait. Get to babysit my dad and my little one. They're two little kids together, so it should be fun. Uh, It'll be fun. Uh, But uh, all right, until next week, uh, we'll call it a show for this one. Thanks to Steve for producing behind the scenes, as always, for us as well. And for Noto, I'm Justin. Have a good week, everybody. We'll see you later.